Hi, welcome to WilsonLiling.com. This is our leadership podcast, and I'm really excited today. It's a privilege to have Pastor Richard Green. Richard is from, uh, he's the founding and senior pastor of C3 North Ride. And this has, has really grown to be a large church mm-hmm. with multiple branches, if yes. we put it that way. Uh-huh. And, and besides that, uh, the church has also planted many, many other churches in yes. different places throughout Australia and even outside in other parts of the world. That's right. Yep. So Richard, I mean, uh, I, I've heard a bit of the exciting things that the church has done. Could you share with us a little bit? What are some of the key areas that the church has uh, developed over the okay. several decades? Thank you. Um, it's a great privilege to be with the HOPE movement. It's very exciting to be with another movement of uh, churches that's really committed mm-hmm. to global and church planting. It's beautiful. So thank mm-hmm. you. Amen. Um, we uh, started 23 years ago. My hope was that I might have do a reasonable job of pastoring a church of yes. maybe 70 to 100, mm. but it grew and we've been involved in, <clears throat> uh, always have had a focus on mission. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's a hard word, a difficult word, because it's has a lot of different connotations, but largely right. sharing the gospel in all forms, in all places. Mm-hmm. So we've have a big community arm in our own church called right. Reach Community Initiative, mm-hmm. um, which we have chaplains, uh, a grief counselling, um, we have a food uh, a food bank which is used every day. Wow. Um, and then we run a regular monthly community dinner for people in our region, in our area who yep. are really struggling. Um, we probably get about a hundred people at that wow. every month. That's great. Um, and then <clears throat> over the years, we've been involved in a lot of church planting. Mm-hmm. Initially, we started uh, in Papua New Guinea. Uh, basically, um, we had a member of our church. Uh, he and his wife moved to Papua New Guinea. They were right. a dentist and a doctor. Right. And they were in a church. They invited me there. From there, we started a ch- our own child sponsorship program. Wow. Uh, which led to a whole lot of different works, including uh, supplying fresh water, medical teams, uh, and, and setting up a church planting school. And in Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. And so you've started a church there as well. Well, we have started, y- yes, we have, but we, we started, a, we served another denomination. Ah, okay. So we set up, we sent one of our staff up there to run the church planting school for five years. Mm-hmm for another denomination. Right. And out of that uh, school, there's been over 150 churches planted. Wow. And then we also did similar thing in post, when the tsunami went through in, I think that was 2001, is that right? The I, uh, the one that hit Indonesia? Yeah. I cannot remember that. Yeah, yes. so we were on the ground in Banda Aceh. Yes. The week after the tsunami. Right. From then, we set up nine church planting schools, several orphanages, and that led to the planting of about 500 churches for another denomination. We helped them. Wow. At the rate you're going, would you like to help us in this? (laughs) (laughs) So so then we shifted gears um, probably 10 years ago because I realized after a number of years, we'd done a lot of work. 
But once we trained and released and sent these troops out and they were going, um, not because of any bad motive or anything, but I think the denominations that we served took control mm -hmm. and we were sort of isolated from remaining connected to those people. Yeah. And having reviewed that art years later, many of them have not grown. All right. So we've now decided to only plant churches for our movement. So since then, mm -hmm. we've now planted about 107 churches that are purely, really directly connected with us. Because for me, it's not about money, mm. although it takes a lot of money. Yes. It's not about training material, although it takes a lot of training. Mm -hmm. It's all about relationships. Yeah. And I don't want to lose that fatherly, brotherly connection. And we think that's really important. And, and this 100 plus churches, it's uh, outside of Australia? No, there's uh, six in Australia, one in New Zealand. Then they're everywhere from Iraq in Baghdad to Syria to northern Italy, southern Italy, right through the, uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, right up into um, the Russian-speaking countries, the former mm. USSR countries, including Russia, Ukraine. That's incredibly diverse. Very diverse. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah, so quite, quite. So that's, that's uh, we've got our own little Bible college. Mm -hmm. It's not really, it's more for our own people. And yes. we've run an internship program for 23 years. Wow, mm. yes. I've, I've heard about that, you told me, Maybe maybe ten years ago mm. about that program. Mm. It's exciting. In mm. fact, we tried to do a little bit ourselves ah. of that internship in in our own church. Mm. Now, one of the things we talked about earlier in the conversation, you, you we were talking about culture, and you said that you made a statement: culture eats vision, uh, something like any day any or something. Day, yeah. Yes, could you elaborate yeah. that a little bit? The the power, the value of culture in the church. Yeah, I think <clears throat> to think of I, I think of it like this: vision is given to us from God. We don't own the vision. Okay. Yes. We don't own church. We, we're servants, mm. but God puts a vision in us. In fact, we don't get a vision, a vision gets us. Yep. It's a seed, and in that seed is the power to multiply mm -hmm. and all that. However, we, the thing we have control of is the environment in which that seed will go. Yes. Like the soil, so seed must be put into soil. Yeah. If you have the wrong soil, or the soil's n not good, for instance, yeah. if you took the best mango, seed you could yes. and took it to where we've got a church in Siberia right? and tried to put it in and the soil's rich there but it's mm -hmm. the wrong soil it's not going to grow yes so culture is like soil mm -hmm. <clears throat> and if you don't have the right culture yeah no matter how great that seed is mm -hmm. it's going to struggle to flourish so that's what I mean by culture the culture is the shared values of that community and it's the sort of values, I guess, that's lived out, right? It's not just something uh -huh. in theory, but very exactly. much lived it out. Exactly. It must be lived out, and it must be lived out and shared. Mm. So one of the challenges to identify what the real values are within your community, your faith, your church, mm -hmm. but ensuring that those values are consistent with the values that are in the Gospels. Yes. Now... Some values we have, they're sort of neutral. Some values we have are counter to the values of the gospel. Mm. 
So it's trying to elevate the ones we believe we live, which are in the gospel, yeah. and eliminate things that we might espouse to but don't do. Yeah. Because that's important. Yeah. So how, how would a leader, as a leader, how can we be intentional in cultivating the right kind of cultures in, in our group or in our church? Well, I think it starts with the leader first. I think the, the lead, senior leader and his wife have to sit and ask the deep questions, what do I really value? Mm-hmm. Really value. Right. Now, <clears throat> I do an exercise which could be potentially quite negative mm-hmm. because if you value something, you'll live, eat and breathe and die for it. Yep. So I use the opposite. I th- would start with, tell me what you really despise and would not like. Mm. Because when you start thinking on that end, it evokes emotion. Yes. But you don't stop there. I mm-hmm. say, okay, now that you've identified that, think of the opposite, which is the positive. Okay. So, as an example, in our church, one of our values is team. Yeah. Because we, I don't like the Lone Ranger, mm, the autonomous yes. superstar. Yes. That's just me. Mm-hmm. But it's also my wife. So yes. the opposite to that is team. Yeah. So we will not do anything in our church. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. So if somebody comes with a really good idea, mm-hmm. and it could be a really good idea, so it's got this great idea and I'm excited. Yes. My next thing will be to remain true to that value. And I'll say, okay, that's wonderful. Let's pray about it. Let's seek the Lord and let's wait mm-hmm. until others get a similar idea and we've got a team. Okay. And once we've got a team, then we'll do it. Yeah. So we've got, in ours, we've identified 11 that have come, started with my wife and I, but then as we've shared them with the core team, yes. the core team said, yeah, we've got those too. Mm. So trying to narrow so that those lived or or uh, those lived values are not just Kathy and I, but yeah, the team have them as well. Something that becomes more part of and, and more natural. Correct, correct. So besides that, is there anything else more that you do intentionally to, you know, kind of, as you're watching, especially not just the leaders, because yep. you're going to have uh, new people joining the church mm-hmm. or perhaps the, the, the members of the church. How would you intentionally cultivate that amongst them? Okay, so we, we start from every person coming to church. Mm-hmm. So as soon as somebody comes to church, we run a thing called Our Church Explained. Okay. Not a very funky term, yes. but it's a functional term because mm. we want to explain our church. Yep. And explaining our church, we want to explain our values. Yep. So we start there. Okay. Then we ask the question in every ministry area, mm-hmm. how are you living out our values in your kids' church programming? Is this something you ask like once a year or, or just when you feel you need to ask? No, it's, it's happening every time the team will meet. Oh, so okay. so it, when our teams meet, we're always asking the question, mm. how are we going with uh, the, our values? Uh, are yeah. we, how are we working them through programs? So as an example, we have a staff meeting of about 30. Um, it's weekly. Mm-hmm. Every week we do a session on one of our values. Wow. Every week. I don't do that. We've got a, a roster and we leave it to the team and each a member of the team does it. Yeah. And it 
it may not be, it's not teaching necessarily, they could do an exercise. Mm-hmm. So we, we want it to permeate, that, permeate down through everything. Yep. And then we even use phrases and everything we have is linked okay. to um, our values. Wow, okay, yeah. that, that is tremendous intentionality yeah, and, yeah. and seeking to dig deep in, mm. in, into the life of, of the staff and leaders and I guess the church too. Yeah, yeah. Do you even preach sometimes certain sermon topic series that reinforce those yes. things? Yes, so for numbers of years, <clears throat> not, not every year, the last two years have been different. Mm. Last three years have been very different right? because we've had to adjust to what yes. we've all been through. Yes. So we paused. But up until then, so for 20 years, we would plan 12 months in advance, we'd get one of our values, and we'd say, which month of the year does that value best fit with? And we would plan all of our preaching around the values. So every year, now we don't go, we're doing value number one. Well, that would be too boring. Mm. So we would say, what's our... Our our number one value, our number one value is word and spirit. Yeah. So we'd say, if that's so important to us, what's the most, uh, what month of the year do we have the majority of the people and they're energized? Mm. Then we're going to do a whole four weeks on that one value. Yeah. But we would not call it word and spirit. We might call it... um, uh, let's say the I am statements of John. Okay. Because John's gospel expresses transcendence and imminence. Mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. The bread of life. Yeah. He's present. Yeah. Oh. And he does a miracle. Amen. He turns. Yes. So it's we we're subtle. Yeah. But intentional. Okay. So so yes, every year's planned. Okay, Around that's, our that's really excellent. That's really interesting. Something for me to go back and, and think about as well. What would you say to a leader who's not, not the, the senior leader, not the top leader, you know, maybe is a, a leader of a small group or, 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 you know, responsible for a ministry? What would you say should be their role as part of cultivating those cultures? I think um, <clears throat> the small groups are the most important that they're engine room. Mm-hmm. of church so we would say to them um, <clears throat> firstly we would try to get them to see uh, not what is not happening but what is happening right so we want their eyes to be looking for what God is doing mm-hmm. and we would encourage them to be looking for what God is doing and how that lines up with one of the values right and to try to structure and elevate the momentum that's coming out of that one value. I see. For example, we've got very different, we've got 57 different ethnicities in our church. Mm. So obviously some cultures are more given to eating and food and they are very good at team. Yes. So in that context, we'd say to that, that group, gear everything to elevating what you do really, really well. Right. And we're going to celebrate that mm-hmm. and promote that and applaud that on a Sunday. Ah. So they become the symbol of that value. Right. Whereas we might have another group because one of our other values is a culture of 
evangelism. So you might have another group that's particularly good. So we've got a group I can think of that do that really well mm -hmm. because God's doing that. Yep. So we elevate that mm -hmm. and get them to celebrate that and promote mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So the group leader is working with what is working, not trying to manufacture something. Right. And then we would try to resource around that. Okay, that's a, that's a very interesting strategy. I think mm. that's powerful. Uh, now, another a different sort of question, and that is, you know, some, sometimes as a senior leader, you, you come into a, a church context where you, I guess, at times you take over a church mm -hmm. setting, or if you're a group leader, you're taking over a group, uh, and often there's an existing culture, which, and, and you're thinking, okay, but I, I do want to shift the culture. I want to adjust the culture. What would, would be some key tips to, to do that? Okay. So firstly, I would say that we have to acknowledge that culture, uh, as I said, culture eats vision. Yeah. So I can't just plow into a small group, take it over and say, here's my vision, expect everyone to change. Yes. That will, I will be disappointed. Yeah. People will be disappointed. Yeah. So I must acknowledge that culture exists. Yes. Step one. Yeah. Step two, I have to find a bridge between existing culture and a positive culture that I might have. Okay. So rather than kicking against the culture, try to transform it and link it to the gospel. I'll give you an example. In Australia, we could say that in perhaps Anzac Day, Mm -hmm. has yeah. become quite a strong cultural statement in Australia. Yes. And the reason being is it celebrates, although it celebrates a loss, which is strange, what it does celebrate is mateship. Yeah. Now, Australians are very egalitarian. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's hard to lead. Yes. Because everybody's opinions are the same. Mm -hmm. So I've thought about that. So what we've decided to do is to acknowledge what is the cultural value being expressed in that and let's redeem it. Mm -hmm. So we believe that's about team. Yeah. Okay. So we elevate Anzac Day and we preach our value of team. Mm. Rather than fighting against the culture, work with it. And then once you get a win, then you can establish a new culture. Okay. So, you know, there's a theory, there's the honeymoon theory, and then there's the, the you know, the different theories about how you do change. Yes. <clears throat> I think you've got to be careful not to go in and try to smash everything. Mm. But equally, you have to be very intentional about how you're going to move a culture. Yeah. Really intentional. And I particularly for, say, um, I think of some pastors who have to take over churches that have been existing, mm. to just assume that you can go in with a vision. Mm -hmm. it, it, you have to try to understand what value, what is the shared value here. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think we need to be counter-cultural. Yes. Not all the time. No, I think yeah. we need to be transformative of culture. Mm -hmm. Because yes. Jesus said, don't be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. He didn't say react. Mm. So I think we've got to try to identify what are the shared values, which ones can be celebrated that are, are, are of the gospel. Mm -hmm. 
So in a sense, if you applaud, whatever you applaud, you're going to get more of. Yes. So look for what you can applaud and applaud a lot. Mm. And that which is you think it's not a good culture, don't give it any focus. Yeah. Positively or negatively. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, wow. Thank you so much, Richard. This has been so insightful. I'm, I'm going to go back and ponder what some of those aspects myself and, <laughs> and try to see what we can do with culture. But thank you so much, Richard. And I, I'm so blessed by many exciting things that your church is doing. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to have a friend like you. Oh, thank you, Wilson. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you, everybody. God bless. God bless. We trust you've been blessed by the word today. Do visit www.wilsonlyling.com for more messages and teachings. For the latest news and updates, follow Facebook and Instagram, wilson.lyling.